Wouldn't you just rather hear him worship than me teach? I mean, come on, let's be serious. Let's get, let's get real. Let's get real with Jesus. Appreciate being here tonight. I love coming down to visit my grandkids. <laughs> and, uh, and I get to hang out with Brandon and Lindsay and the fam. We, uh, we count it a privilege to be a part of this family. We love you guys. I see a lot of faces that I know, a bunch of faces I don't know. To know me is to love me. <laughs> you remember that old song Mac Davis sang, Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. <laughs> um, my wife and I are uh, <clears throat> glad to be here, and I've got a word for you tonight, and it's not a very... Um, I don't know. It's revelatory to me. How many of you know that when you read something, you've read it all your life, you've opened the Bible, you've looked at something over and over and over again, and then all of a sudden, one day, how many of you had a one day in your life when you read the Word? Where just one day, something was different. There was a change. There was, a, there was something that was just Rama that jumped off the page and you got some kind of a revelation about that little bitty thing that you read a million times. I don't know, maybe, maybe that's what Peter experienced in Caesarea Philippi when Jesus asked him, who do men say that I am? Who, who, who do men, who, what's, what's all your peeps saying? And uh, without hesitation, he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Wow. Now, he had told them that already. He had, he had said all that to them already. But all of a sudden, one day, it just came to him. And Jesus made a statement. He said, You know what? I can build a church on that principle. I can build my church on a principle of hearing God, a revelation that comes alive in my people that will motivate them to go and inject righteousness into a society. That's pretty cool. Well, tonight I want to talk to you for a minute. And, and before I do, can I, can I just pray? Because I got something working in my spirit here. And you know, when we're us preachers, we get something working in our spirit. We're trying to decide if it's gas or we really got something working. <laughs> Lord, we just thank you for your presence in this house. God, the minute we stepped into this temple, we recognized your authority. We understood your sovereignty. And we know, God, that by your spirit, you can accomplish anything tonight. Lord, we have come with supernatural expectations. Lord, whatever it is that our circumstances have dictated to us by sight, we choose to walk by faith. We choose to wait patiently for you, Lord. Mm. I thank you, God, that tonight we're going we're gonna to wait patiently on what you have to say so that this can be a one day for somebody. 
So that tonight's word, tonight's worship will stir something inside of us that will motivate us to leave this house tonight and inject a spirit of righteousness in our homes, in our marriages, in our children, in our jobs, in everything and every kingdom of this world. Lord, I just recognize that it's you and not me. I recognize that I am woefully inept. And I don't say that, Father, cheaply. I really do know that it has to be you if anything gets done in the Spirit. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd open our hearts and our minds tonight as we wait patiently on you. You know that song? Waiting on you. I love that song. Waiting on you. You guys know that? Patiently waiting on you. I'm not worried about the time. I ain't worried about the time. Because in in you I find strength. Come on, let's sing that song. That's a great song. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Oh, I'm waiting on you, Lord. Because I'm not worried about the time. Because it's you I find. Thank you, Jesus. Strength while I'm waiting on you. That's a prayer for somebody tonight. Somebody needed a little strength. Your strength comes when you wait. Mm, Thank you, Jesus. All right. Well, let's just, uh, let's look at a couple of things tonight. You know, um, the Bible says in uh, Isaiah 28 that we should learn scriptures. I think it's verse 10. It says, it says line upon line, precept upon precept. And, and that's a, that is, uh, you know the difference between a precept and a concept? See, uh, a precept is a command of a principle by an authority. That's what a, that's what a precept is. And, and a concept is an abstract thought. It's an intention. God wants us to learn his scripture to learn his word, to learn how to live, to learn how to walk in this life based upon line upon line and precept upon precept. The commanded word of the scripture helps us live by faith. We, how do we live? We live, move, and have our being by Christ Jesus. Isn't that true? Now, concepts are good. We should all have con- concepts are a good thing. But let me tell you something. You don't want a concept that's not perceived or, or conceived out of a precept. Is that confusing? You want me to say that again? You don't want a concept that's not conceived from a precept. Why? Because it's the precepts that God blesses. It's his word that God blesses. And so if you are in the word, then God says, I'll give you witty inventions. 
I'll give you things in your life. I'll give you the desires of your heart. I'll help you discern and determine and create and do all these things. But they have to be based on the concept, I mean, the precept of my word. One of the most, the central theme of the scripture is faith. Paul had a fairly good grip on it, I think. Just let me, let me run this off for you. Ephesians 2, we are saved by faith. Romans 1, we live by faith. Romans 4, we are received righteousness by faith. Romans 5, we are justified by faith. Romans 5 again, we have access to God's grace by faith. 2 Corinthians 1, we stand firm in our belief by faith. Galatians 3, we receive the promise of the Spirit by faith. 1 Timothy 4, we do not... We, uh, we do God's work by faith. In Galatians 5, we wait for the return of Christ by faith. Paul had a clue about faith. Paul understood faith. I have had the pleasure of living some very simple principles in my life that I want to share with you tonight. Some precepts about faith. I'm going to give you five of them. So this is more of a teaching than a preaching, okay? First of all, let me say this. We have some misconceptions about faith as well. People get a little confused about their armor. People try to use faith as an offensive weapon. That's not what the scripture says. Does anybody remember what faith is? It's a shield. Faith is a shield. Faith is a defensive posture. Faith is a defensive item. The word is a sword. The word is the, is the offensive weapon. How many of you remember the story when Jesus was tempted by Satan over and over again? And he didn't say, okay, my faith... My faith, you got to go. My faith. No, no. He said, this is what the word says, Jack. No, this is what you don't understand. I'm going to defeat you with the word. I'm going to stand by faith. I have my shield in my hand. And too many of us go into war and you are in a war whether you know it or not. Too many of us go into war and all we have is a shield and you'll never win a war with just a shield. You may not get killed because of it, but that's not what you're called to do. Your job description as a believer is not just to survive. Is anybody listening? Are y'all okay? Because if you're not, just tell me. It won't do any good. (laughs) Let me know if you understand what I'm saying. You can say amen. I know. My church, I have to hold up cards that says it's a good time to clap. (laughs) I'm not really kidding too much. (laughs) Faith is defensive. And sometimes we get in trouble by trying to use the wrong weapon in the wrong realm. The sword, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, is our weapon, our offense. 
So anyway, I, I want to I just say this to you, a couple of things that I've learned in my personal life. You know, I've always felt like the Christian walk is more uh, pertinent, more real than when you can say, you know what, that's how it happened for me. This is, this, rather than sit here and give you a bunch of ethereal ideas and, and, and a bunch of stuff like that, wouldn't you just rather know that it works? <clears throat> I mean, that's, that's me. I'm pretty much a pragmatist. I just want to walk out of here tonight. And I preach to myself more than probably anybody knows. Okay, precept number one. Faith needs room to operate. Faith needs room to operate. <clears throat> now, what crowds faith out? Fear. Right? Fear and doubt. Fear and doubt choke faith out. <laughs> That's a wrap. <clears throat> you starve fear and you feed faith. Faith operates in both the spirit and the soul. There's, how many of you understand there is God faith and human faith? Did you know that? Did, 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 that when you got saved... You got all of the deposit that you ever need in the spirit. Did you know that? You got all the deposit. The same amount of faith that God de deposited into you, the Bible says that every man is given the measure of faith. When you got saved, your spirit received the deposit from God himself in the form of faith. And guess what? You don't need to do anything with that faith except connect it to the Father. That's the faith that produces signs and wonders and miracles and all the different things that go on in our life. And the problem is we get our human faith in front of our God faith. What's our human faith? Well, our human faith is sensory. Okay? Here's, here's what I mean. If, if I walked into Brother Charles's uh, house, I would probably smell something really good cooking. Am I right about it? Okay. I know that if I follow my smell, my senses, my faith of my nose is going to tell me that if I follow it to the point of origin, I'm probably going to enjoy something really good. Some barbecue. Next time I come, you need to send a memo out. <clears throat> That's human faith. I believe with my senses, that I'm going to find what I'm smelling so that I can taste what I'm seeing. That's pretty good stuff right there now. That's human faith. Human faith is if I take this, if I tell my daughter to come sit in this chair right here, she's not going to have a big problem with that because her sight tells her that that chair is strong enough to hold her. And it's right there. It's not moving. Somebody's not going to punk her by pulling it out. It's going to sit right there and she can sit in it. Now, if I told her the same thing, I want you to come sit in this chair right here. I want you to come on, sit in this chair right here. What's the difference? She doesn't believe there's a chair there. Right? Faith has got to have room to operate in our lives, which means you have got to get rid of fear and doubt. You cannot allow fear and doubt to squelch your faith and then see that God 
do, and, and then see that God will do something for you. Jesus said the greatest of all commandments is to love the Lord with all your heart and all your soul, all your mind. All is the key. The question is, what is crowding your faith? What, what, what fears are crowding your faith? Address them. What, what fears are keeping you from seeing and connecting your spirit man to God? What, what are they? You know what they are. You know exactly what they are. It's not mystery. It's not a big secret. You know what they are. Nobody else may know, but you know. Look at your neighbor and say, you know. (laughs) Whatever it is that's crowding out your spirit, mind, your will, your emotions, what you think about, your soul, you have to get control of it and you have to cast out fear. What does 1 John 4, 18 say? Perfect love casts out fear. He's given you what? The the spirit of a sound mind, the power of love. That's That's what he's given you. That's how you replace fear. You replace fear with a sound mind. With power and love. That's, that's how you cast fear out. Perfected love. Here's, here's, the, here's what we, we miss sometimes. See, when Jesus gave his life on a cross for you and I, he perfected love. Perfected love casts out all fear. Does that make sense now? See, I never really kind of put that together. So in my life, I've had some things that I've been very fearful of. And I had to, I've had to stand against them. And you know what? Here's the thing, folks. Sometimes you've got to stand against them every day. I was watching. Anybody watch the Olympics this week or last week or when it was? Last couple of weeks. I, I love to watch the Olympics. And some of them, I'm not even real sure, Olympic sports. I mean, really? I mean, what's the... Rhythmic gymnastics? Are you serious? We're going to throw some balls up in the air and that's Olympic sport? Come on now, really? And they took softball out. What is up with that? Crazy people. I watched the sprinters. I love to watch it. Usain Bolt, fastest man on the planet. I mean, just... Well, I was watching some of the girls in their sprint competitions and there was a girl from the U.S., and, she, and they were announcing them all. And she uh, went to get in her blocks. And, you know, she was going through her routine or whatever it was. And I, I think this girl was from Texas, actually. And uh, I could read her lips. I wasn't trying to read her lips, but I could read her lips. You ever, you ever seen that on TV where you know what they're saying? And this, you know what this girl was saying? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through... I was like... Man, she really can. Sometimes you have got to rehearse the promises of God so that you cast out. Don't you tell me that she didn't have butterflies in her stomach. Don't you tell me that she wasn't fearful of her competition. Don't you tell me with all the millions and millions of people watching her on this race that she wasn't a little bit intimidated. 
So she just rehearsed her promise. She just said, okay, I can do all things through Christ. And she got down in the blocks, and she took off, and she won the race. I don't know if she was the one who was supposed to win or not. That doesn't matter. All I know is this. I know that that girl believed in her heart that she, at that point, could do all things through Christ. That's how you've got to live your life, folks. That's how you have to live tomorrow when somebody hands you some bad news. That's how you have to live tomorrow when the doctor comes and says, well, the report ain't so hot. That's how you got to live tomorrow when your, ba- when your checkbook says you ain't got enough money to get to the end of the month. That's how you have to live your life every day rehearsing the goodness of God. The first precept, ladies and gentlemen, is to make room for faith. Here's the second one. Moving God from God is able to God is willing. Let me, let me tell you what I mean. Traditional religion has taught us some really stupid stuff. Okay? I know I was raised in it. It's taught us things like, well, God ain't doing that anymore. He used to. God can. I know God can. Let me just take you back real quick to a story in the scriptures where this woman, how many of you know that you got all, everybody in here has got issues? Okay. Well, she had one that was 12 years and it was, a, it was nasty. It was a terrible issue. She had issues and she risked her life, her living, her reputation, and she risked everything to try to come up from behind Jesus. She didn't, she didn't, she snuck in the back door. That's what the scripture says. Okay, And why, why do you think that out of all the people, the Bible said he was thronged. Do you know what a throng is? I said throng. <laughs> you know what a throng is? A throng is a swarm. You ever seen bees swarm? Okay. You know, you know why bees swarm? Bees swarm for one of two reasons. Well, two reasons rather. One, there's disease in the hive, and they're looking for a place they can make it whole. And um, the, the place where they're living is too small. they got to get a bigger place. That's why they swarm. They move. The Bible says that this was a swarm. They were diseased. They were looking for a better place, but they thought Jesus could provide it. Okay? Now watch this. So the woman comes up and out of all the people in this swarm, she's the only one that got healed. Why? Does that strike anybody as a little funny? They were all touching Jesus. The disciples even said it. He said, somebody touched me. Well, I mean, they're like, come on, Jesus. Everybody's touching you, man. Everybody's touching you. He says, no. Somebody touched me. Because he felt power go out of his body. He felt virtue flow out of him. Virtue is the word that doctors use for the, for the essence of a medicine that works. In other words, the virtue of a pill is the, whatever that is that works. It's called its virtue. So why did she get healed and nobody else did? I can tell you why. She was the only one that believed that God was willing. 
They all knew he could because they've seen it. They all, they all knew and watched him perform miracles. So they all knew that he could. They all knew about Jesus and, and his ability to, to heal people. But this woman went past he is able into the realm of faith that says, God, I know you're willing. Too many of us today believe that God is just some big old guy up there with a hammer that's trying to come down on us and punish us when God says, taste and see that I'm good. I'm, it's my good pleasure to give give you the kingdom. I want to do great and mighty things through you. I want you to have great exploits. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Who's he going to use? Who's he going to use? Pick me. God Is willing. God is willing. Romans 15 13 says this May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Did you know that in a believer's life that you get filled with hope and joy when you believe? Do you know that it pleases God? If the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please him, what do you think does please him? Faith. Believing. Believing makes him happy. And he says if you'll get happy in the believing, then I will fill your life with joy and hope. You know, when, when God called Abram out of his tent and he said, I'm going to make a covenant with you, Jack. I want you to get out there and, and tell me how many stars there are in the sky. I'm, it's, I'm just kind of translating a little bit, okay? He says, I can't do it. It's just innumerable. He says, okay. Do you believe? And, a, and you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that Abram, he changed his name later to Abraham, believed God. And you know what happened? It was accounted to him for righteousness. What does that mean? Do you know that God is trying to give your life an audit? God wants to audit your life, and he's looking for a balance sheet that turns a profit. He wants people that can stand in right standing with him because they're believing. Because they just believe. Listen, folks, if there's ever a time in the church for believers to believe, it's today. You got to believe. It's time for you guys to get radical. It's time for you to be in the marketplace having been motivated in the secret place. It is. It's time to get radical. It's, it's, it's not time. This is a place where we come and gather and worship and, and celebrate each other's victories and we spread out each other's failures. But out there, you're the ones with the hypodermic needle full of righteousness. The kingdoms of this world. How many of you understand that Satan is the God of this world? 
That's what the scripture says, okay? Satan is the God of this world. He's the God of the kingdoms of this world. Why do you think he took Jesus to the high mountain and said, if you'll worship me, I'm going to show you the kingdoms of this world? That wasn't geography, folks. That wasn't geography. He was showing him government and business and economics and entertainment and all the kingdoms of this world. And Jesus said in Revelation 11, or the angel said in Revelation 11, that the kingdoms of this world have now become the kingdoms of my God and of our Christ. That's what's going to happen. But in the meantime, you and I are called to inject some righteousness in every one of these kingdoms. I don't know what you do, ma'am, but you're called to inject righteousness. I don't know what you do, ma'am, but you're called to inject righteousness. You guys get up here and worship. You're injecting righteousness into a group of believers that can then go out and inject their own. Oh, man, that's worth the price of admission. Ain't no way I'm going to finish. Precept number three. <clears throat> Faith has to germinate. Faith has to germinate. How does faith germinate? Prayer and fasting. Faith must be planted. Jesus said, uh, if you had the faith as a mustard seed, not like a mustard seed, not the faith of a mustard seed, as a mustard seed. What's the difference? That's just, a, that's just semantics. No, it's not. A mustard seed has great potential. A mustard seed has amazing potential to become from this little bitty thing to this massive tree that will provide shade and provide fruit and provide a places for the birds. That's what the scripture says, right? It's as a mustard seed. So your, if you had the faith that uh, as a mustard seed, then you could speak to this devil that y'all can't cast out and he would go. Because you had been germinating that faith in the soil of prayer and fasting. Does that make sense to anybody? Your faith has got to germinate. <clears throat> All right, I'm going to move on. Precept number four. Faith produces patience, but only when it's tested. See, when you understand, when you get this precept, then you can say the same thing that James said. Count it all joy. Count it all joy. How can I count it all joy when I'm getting the fool beat out of me? Because he understood the precept that patience has a perfecting work. That's what it says. Let patience have her perfect work, that you may be entire and complete and lacking nothing. Wow. If you'll ever get a hold of that, when your faith is tested, when trials come your way, you can look at it, whatever it is. I don't care if there's a jail cell waiting for you. You can look at it and say, you know what? I may be broke right now. But I'm coming back. I, can, I may have 
uh, lacking my life right now, but I'm coming back. I may have done something really stupid, but now I'm back on the rails and I'm coming back. You don't have to wait for me because I'm waiting on the Lord. And that kind of patience in my life is going to perfect me in everything that I lay my hands to do. Wow. Are you guys getting this? These are things that I've lived in my life. I've had to wait patiently on the Lord. I've had to walk through. How many of you had to walk through some valleys? Okay. How many of you tried to camp out in the valleys? Right? I know I have. I've tried to camp out in the valley. He didn't call us to camp out in the valley. He called us to go through the valley. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I walk through, walk through, walk through, walk through. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm walking through. Faith produces patience. I don't know if there's anybody like, like me in here or not. But if, y'all, if anybody goes to Walmart in here. See, we have a Walmart in Waxahachie. And uh, my biggest... My biggest patience test is always at Walmart. You know why? Because I am not a shopper. My wife gives me a list, bananas, grapes, Rotel, whatever. I'm going to get my stuff, and then I'm going to make sure I got 20 items or less. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? But as soon as I do that kind of diligent work, I walk up to the 20 20 items or less line, and there's a lady with a cart about 900 things in it. And I'm like, lady, can you read the sign? This is express. I had one lady one time. This is the truth. I had one lady one time. She had two carts with 20 items in each one. That's what I did. I went, I, I mean, is that right? <laughs> patience. Come on, Jesus, give me some. Give me some patience. I need an overdose. Inject me today with a little patience. How many of you saw that commercial where the guy is checking out and he lets the guy go ahead of him and he wins the half a million bucks? You ever seen that? It's just a commercial. And the guy's standing behind him, and he's ready to check. He's just got one item, and he wants to check out. He's in a hurry, so the guy lets him front. And all of a sudden, he's the one millionth customer, and he wins $500,000. I'm not sure I could handle that. I would find me a scripture somewhere. You know what I'm saying? There's got to be one. Something about, you know, we're in the, ki- the kingdom of God is the kingdom of opposites, so I don't have to prefer my brother. <laughs> How's that? No, that don't work. So anyway, my patience. How many of you had your patience tried lately? Let me tell you, let me tell you the result of what God's looking for. He's not looking for your patience. He's looking for how you act when you're patient. That's what he's looking for. That's how you pass the test. Patience is the capacity for calm endurance. Let me just say this to you. It's patience that perfects you. A lot of people think it's faith that perfects you. It's not. It's faith that gets tested. 
The Bible says your patience perfects you. Okay, last one and I'm done. I'm almost on time. <clears throat> Precept number five. Faith needs to be fed. Faith needs to be fed. How do we, how do we feed our faith? You guys know this. With what? The Word of God. You feed your faith with the Word of God. Faith comes how? And hearing by the? Now here's the, here's the problem. Fear also comes the same way. Fear comes the same way faith does. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Fear also comes by hearing and hearing by the enemy of God. Right? So what are you listening to? What are you listening to? What are you looking at? What are you watching? What is your eye being filled with? What is your, whatever is coming in these faith senses that we talked about a little while ago is filling your heart and your life and your mind and your will and your emotions and your spirit with something. Something. What is it being filled with? Is it being filled with junk on TV? Is it being filled with junk on the internet? Is it being filled with, with hatred and envy and malice and, and, and con contempt? What's, is anger part of that? What is, it, what is it that you're being filled with? Because whatever you're being filled with is going to eventually come out of your mouth because the Bible says that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And whatever comes out of here, uh, whatever's in here comes out of this. And the Bible says that you can choose to bless or curse. That's what you can choose. Right? Choose you this day. Blessings or cursings. You got to feed your faith. You got to feed it with the word of God. You got to feed it with worship. You got to feed it by putting yourself in the right places. You got to feed it by building defenses against your iniquities. Oh, that's kind of a that's a SAT word. Iniquities are your propensities, right? You guys are you guys are astute. You know what I'm talking about. Iniquities are your propensities. I've got a bent for that. My, let, let me just tell you a story about my wife. <laughs> oh, maybe not. <laughs> my wife and I took a short vacation one weekend to New Orleans. And we thought we were just going to hang out and just have a big time. And, and uh, it gets worse. And she said, I have never been on a gambling boat. I said, and we're not starting tonight. She says, I want to just see. And I went, what are you, what's, what, ain't nothing sexy about that. It's just a boat with a bunch of people losing a lot of money. They're crazy. She said, I just want to see. I said, all right, we're going to go. I figured the God in big, is big enough in me to deal with this sin. <laughs> right? So we split a roll of quarters. <laughs> I'm just getting real with you, okay? I'm just getting real. I'm just saying. It was entertainment money. That's all it was. Some of y'all nodding your head and say, yeah, I've been there. See, don't look at your neighbor because you know 
They've been on the boat. <laughs> Cha-ching. I went through my quarters. You know, okay, it's time to go. Let's go eat. We seen, we came, we, we did a lot. No. Over in the corner where my little wife is, she said, I broke it. You know why she thought she broke it? Because the light was going off. Ding, 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 ding. And all this money fell out. And I said, oh, Jesus, what are we going to do now? So you know what we said? Must be a blessing from God. <laughs> we spent it on dinner, and we tithed on it. <laughs> we redeemed that money from the pit of hell. Pulled it right out of hell. Went and had some crab cakes and spent it on Jesus. Ha! I don't know. That's probably too much for some of y'all. Anyway, what was the rest of the story? Huh? Oh, yeah. I had to drag her out. <laughs> I said, no, baby. We are pastors. Iniquities, propensities. We have them. We have them. You've got to, by faith, build defenses around those things so that when you do get presented with those kinds of things, that you inject righteousness into that deal. Did y'all learn something? All right, praise God. forward to a great weekend this Sunday. Uh, Lord willing, I'm going to begin a series uh, this Sunday. I, I may not, but the plan uh, is to begin a series uh, entitled The Privilege of His Presence. The Privilege of His Presence. And uh, so I'm looking forward to that. I think it's going to be a great time. Uh, building off of where we left off with the, whole, the, the our message on the Holy Spirit, the Forgotten God. And uh, looking forward, we're going to be talking about worship. And some things like that, why we do what we do. You ever wondered why we do what we do? Hopefully we'll try to help you with that. Did, did you learn anything as we talked about the Holy Spirit? Did it answer some questions for you? I want to try to help you with that for, as we talk about worship and the presence of God, the anointing of God and those things. Sound good? 
Father, I bless this offering today. Let it be multiplied. Let it go and, and be planted in good soil in the life and the ministry of these wonderful pastors and, and people. Lord, as they do your work, as they labor in that city, I pray that they would be blessed. I pray that this offering would touch their lives. And if they make it back to New Orleans, it would multiply again in the name of Jesus. Amen. Ushers, you may assist us at this time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. You probably had a few. Mark, if you'll help me here. True story. Uh, while, while you give my grandmother, my, my dad's mom, we went on a cruise a few years ago with the church. And um, she wanted to see the casino on the boat. She'd never been to a casino she wanted to see, but she was not going to gamble. So she got her friend, uh, Pat Morris, who was with her. And this is what they decided to do. Pat 